Hi and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 63, where in a moment we discuss how to keep Christmas costs down. But if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. In our programmes to date, we've covered mortgages, pensions, credit unions, help to buy schemes, premium bonds, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we looked at investing in uncertain times. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything. Forensically, find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. You'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one. Have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me, as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Okay, how to keep the cost of Christmas down. Uh, Controversial one to start with, but I'm going to suggest birth control. No, kidding. (laughs) only kidding um here's the thing phil and i'll be honest this year with everything going on it's not even presents i'm worried about i i I don't even know who get that far i mean loads of people i'm I'm not alone in this are genuinely concerned about just being able to afford to keep the lights and heating on and put some food on the table so are are we going to look at that a little bit as well yeah that that's definitely one of the areas we'll cover today I have six kids, John, so I would definitely recommend birth control. <laughs> uh, you know, Christmas gets more expensive every year, does it? That's it a does. thing. But yeah, there's probably quite a few areas that we'll touch on today. I mean, like lately, energy prices have been rising. So I mean, that is something for us to, to kind of cover slightly. Inflation's on the up. Many people are still feeling the pinch after for last from last year due to, to COVID and, and such. So hopefully today's show will be able to just give some some people few tips there to, to try and help them a wee bit over Christmas time. Okay, so as far as we can, we're going to address everything that may affect your spending power this year and try and help make that money go further, saving whatever we can. Right, what's first? Hit, hit me with this reality check. Where will we start? Let's look at the things you can't do without. So food and heating and all of that, and if you have kids, well, toys. Mm-hmm. So how on earth are we going to do all that sensibly and keep the cost down, Phil? So, I mean, the... the they often say Christmas gets more expensive every year. And I think Christmas costs, but from what I'm reading in various articles, they're, they're saying that it's due to soar massively this year. So it's good. There's quite a number of different things we, we can look at to, today. And I'd, I'd probably say that the first thing, or, or one of the things that I would recommend to folk was to, to set a budget and, and stick to it. Make a list of things that you want to buy. So when we come to toys, that that's like a prime example, it's like, so right, who do I want to give presents to this year? Who do I want to, to maybe cut down? And I, I would look, I mean, if, if money's tight, look at cutting down the, the present list. I mean, I, I know I, I still get, I mean, I'm, I'm 45 years old <laughs> and I, I still get money. My, my uncle still sends me, me money and I'm, I didn't really, I know it's a nice thought, but I'm, I'm probably past the age that I should be getting like that type of gifts. But the, the one thing I would always say as well, Christmas is a time for giving. I, I suppose that saying alone makes people think, oh, I've got to, to give, give, give. But but you've got to start with number one. You've got to think about yourself. So although they say Christmas is a time for giving, you can only give what you've got. That, that's the thing. So 
I mean, retailers encourage people to spend more and more money each year. So yeah, one of the, the bits of advice I would say is like try and cut down on the amount of gifts you're, you're buying. I know a lot of kids have got kind of expectations. I mean, my my kid's maternal grandmother, she just goes over the top every Christmas. She she buys the kids more gifts than what I give them. And I, I suppose the downside with that is that the kids then expect a lot. But in my experience, kids can sometimes be happy with, it doesn't have to be expensive gifts. And, and also, I've seen it in the past where sometimes the cheaper gifts are the ones that they play more with. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've heard plenty of folks saying it's, oh, my kids were playing with the, the empty boxes and, and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I, like that, that comes up quite, quite often as well. But some, some of the tips I would say as well is like try and reduce, especially when it comes to toys, try and keep an eye out for, for any offers on, on the sales or online offers. And remember, just buy what you need. It's easy to kind of, oh, buy this or buy that. I mean, I, I started my Christmas shopping in October. I'm always on the lookout for, for various offers. And I think, oh, look, that's down 20% off that. So, right, I'll go and buy that now. But it's easy to buy things that you don't need as well. So that that's like another thing. But toys is a, a big expense for a lot of people at, at Christmas time. Look, look online. I mean, if, if there's a certain toy, if you know what you're, you're looking to buy somebody, go online and try and compare a few different shops. I mean, if, if it's an item that you can get and say, Curry's, Argos, or wherever. Compare the, the the different places and see who's got the the cheapest deal on it. So that, that can save you a few pounds there. I I also like to use the the cashback sites. So you've got like one one of the most popular ones I think is Quidco. One of my pals uses it. I've I've never used that one myself, but when I'm doing online shopping, I do it through the the British Airways shopping site. So you click on their website. They've got links to all these other like websites and if you spend money on that you get so many points on on the british airways ones i i get what's called avios points and i use them i i love to go on holiday so i i use that avios points to to try and get money off my flights and stuff and I, i've saved a fair bit because i spend a lot i, I save quite a bit there as well but so so some of that sort of cashback sites can be quite good when you're buying Christmas gifts. Okay, so you can you can buy there and, and save elsewhere, and, and hopefully that yeah. sort of eliminates um, some costs further down the line. What about food, Phil? I mean, previously to, to this year, it might have been who's cheaper. This year, it might be just about having something at all. The shelves can't be stocked in time. So how do we keep costs down there? That's it. Christmas is often a time for, for overindulgence. And what you'll find, I mean, if the shelves are empty, prices are going to go up because demand is, is going to be higher. And it... Yeah, I go out for my lunch and you, you go into like the local news agent and there's like barely like no tins of juice, the crisp shells are, I mean, some of the shortages recently have been, been incredible and stuff like that puts prices up and hence inflation is, is rising. But I mean, I, I would say when it comes to food, like a, a great way to save at Christmas time is to make use of your freezer. Take advantage of like any pre-Christmas food deals Look at buying a frozen turkey rather than a fresh one. I mean, that can save you quite a bit there. So I, I would say like your freezer is your friend at, at Christmas time and not just before Christmas, but even after Christmas, look at freezing some of your food left over um, and that can save you your money. I mean, other tips for, for when it comes to food is rather than buying like the prepaid package stuff, if you can make it yourself, that can often be 
quite a bit cheaper as well. Other tips when it comes to food at Christmas time is like using leftovers. I must I, I love when I, mean, I have my, my Christmas dinner and then usually you get a Boxing Day dinner because you're using the leftovers again on Boxing Day. And then usually it's turkey sandwiches for a week after that. So <laughs> I, I suppose just being just being more conscious of, of like the food and maybe recycling, but that, that kind of thing can, can save you a few quid on, on your food bills there as well. Yeah, any chef will tell you, you know, buy the buy the best of whatever it is that you're looking to buy. Buy the best of what you can. So the best, you know, a butcher's bird or whatever, and then use all the birds. So right down to using the bones to make stock for soup, and and you'll you know you'll get a week's worth of food if not longer, uh, out of just the the one thing. Um. So okay, that's food. Freezer is your friend. All of that. This is a massive one. Uh, all over the news about the costs of gas and electricity. My understanding of this is that is that energy companies bought their supplies ages ago in advance at a low, low price. And then the value shot way up. But because of the fact energy prices were capped, the energy firms couldn't just turn around and reflect that new cost entirely on the customer. And that's why they, they've started falling over with sort of crippling debts. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I mean, energy prices have been like fairly on the up recently. So that, that's been a big increase in, in a lot of people's budgets. When it comes to energy bills and, and tariffs, I always recommend using an Offgem approved comparison website. You can get a list of them on, on the Offgem website, but a couple of their approved ones are ones like U-Switch, Money Supermarket. Get a copy of your latest bill, see what tariffs you're on. You, you can put all that into there and then just compare that. But if you can save any money on that tariffs, it, it's definitely worth re- reviewing that just now. I suppose if you're locked into a low price tariff, Phil, you know, you've got our lowest price guaranteed, then you're safe and you shouldn't do anything because a better deal won't exist right now, will it? Yeah, it's still, still worth just putting it in to compare because that, that website should tell you, yeah, you've just stick with what you've got or if it's going to be worth changing. But I, I know with, with the prices having gone up, some of the ones that have fixed in previously. In fact, one, one thing coming up a lot just now is a lot of people are coming to the end of their, their fixed rate tariffs. So they're, they're now finding that it, all of a sudden there's quite a big hike. Mm-hmm. Some people have been unfortunate that the companies that they signed up with have gone bust. And then they're going to new providers and going on to these higher standard tariffs. And they're seeing their bills going up quite a, a bit there as well. So it is, it's, it's tough times when it comes to, to energy at the minute. Yeah, we spoke about this, and I think this is worth reiterating. We spoke about this in a previous show. If your energy provider goes bust, is it Offgem are obliged to find you a new provider, but they're not obliged to find you the cheapest provider or similar? Yeah, that's deal. right. So, yeah, so it was important to know, like your your energy wouldn't get cut off. Some people panic about that, but they they'll find you a new provider, but the new provider doesn't have to match the price that you were on previously. Right. So once once you once you're moved, then it's best to review the market again. Yeah, 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 okay. Uh, what about um other forms of, of uh fuel like uh, mains gas or LPG? If you live in the country like I do, there, there's no real option apart from oil or gas for your heating. Anything that we can do there? Yeah, if you've got oil, for example, I mean I, I would say shop around for it. I mean, a lot of people just stick to the provider that that they're that whoever comes and, and delivers it like at whatever period they, they get it. But so I would say don't just stick with your existing provider, call around several and see if you can, can get it any cheaper. Likewise, if you're filling up your car, there, there's websites you can go on 
to compare like local petrol costs and that can you can sometimes save a, a few pence off a litre and if you're doing that every time it can it adds up over over time yeah every time they, they say uh you know and fuel has now hit the highest rate ever i feel my chest tighten a wee bit phil <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to the more festive stuff christmas trees well here see i've got you covered here phil i'm off to the local country estate in a balaclava at four in the morning with a chainsaw but <laughs> what's your suggestion for christmas trees uh, I'd, I'd probably say for Christmas trees, I mean, if you're buying a real one, you could always buy a, a smaller one. So rather than going for the big extravagant, most expensive one, you could always look at, at buying a smaller one. If you're looking at like a, a Christmas tree that's not like one of these fake ones, consider buying a secondhand one R- rather than going for, for a brand new one. That, that's another idea. I mean, for, for all you, I mean, you're using a Christmas tree but a few weeks of the year. And then usually, I mean, I, I've got one that's up in the loft because I like the Denver Broncos. I saw one last year in Tesco, Colorado trees. So I thought, oh, I'm having that. So, I've got the, <laughs> so, I, so it'll come down out the loft soon and, and go up. But so I, I use just that fake tree every year. But I guess a lot of people like to buy the new ones and maybe the way they can save there is just getting a smaller one. And like I say, if you are needing a tree and it's not a real one, maybe look, consider a, a secondhand one. Okay, here's one I hadn't even considered, travel costs. Now, it might be you're not even hosting Christmas, but instead heading elsewhere, and that can be expensive. Even Chris Rea is thinking about walking home for Christmas this year because petrol's too expensive. How do we how do we save money in the cost of travelling? I, I would recommend booking any travel well in advance. Booking trains, planes, buses. If you book all of that early, it, it can often save a fair bit. I know when I book my flights, I often try to, to book well in advance and often book a flight somewhere and then go online maybe a day or two before just to see how the prices are and if demand is high then again prices will will rise so and at this time of year a lot of people are traveling so you will tend to find that a lot of transport the the longer you leave it the higher the the prices will go so definitely try and book book anything as early as you can that should be a, a good way to save money other ways you can save on transport costs, I, I've never used it myself, but I know you've got some of these car sharing websites, um, there's ones like Lyft Share, that type of thing. I mean, I, I've never used it, but again, that, that can sometimes cut like motoring and, and travel costs as well. So definitely a few few areas people can save on there as well. Okay, so a few tips there, Phil, and good to have. But usually when we've spoken about targets uh, and things like that before, we've then got on to speak about plans and how to get there. Is that a good idea in this instance? Yeah, definitely. I mean, planning, I suppose the earlier you plan for Christmas, the, the better. Maybe we did do a previous show, I think, saving for, for Christmas, and that was all about trying to, like, that's probably a good one for folk to listen to, like, just after Christmas time, and maybe look to start saving for, for next year's Christmas. But I always think, like, make a plan, agree spending limits. It's important, make a budget and stick to it. That's always like something that, that's so important at this time of year. I mean, all these companies, they, they spend a lot of money trying to get you to buy things you don't need and trying to get you to spend more than what you can really afford. So, and, and there's adverts come up for things all over the place. But I log into Facebook and it comes up with ads for this, it comes up for ads for that. And then I go on another website, you've got all these banners here, there and everywhere the companies know what they're doing. They're, they're trying to get people to spend money. So I, I would always say it's like when you're planning your shopping trips as well, if you're actually physically going into shops, it's like 
plan what shops you want to go into. I always say, don't take your kids shopping as well, because they'll be like, oh, I want that, I want that. And all of a sudden the pressure's on to, to get more. So that's probably a, a tip for, for folk as well, is need to take their, their kids when they do their Christmas shopping. Yeah, don't, don't take your kids and never go shopping when you're hungry. Never go shopping <laughs> when you're hungry. I, I know in the past, um, a few people have thought, you know, it's only for Christmas, I'll pop whatever, on the credit card, I'll make it up come January, February when I'll overpay. Is that an option? It probably helps your credit score. Yeah, I think I think last year, or earlier this year, I'm sure we did a show on like clearing Christmas debts as well. I think we've maybe done that. Yeah, again, but yep, yep. that seems to, I'm sure that's came up at, at some point in time. And, you know, one, one thing I would say, it's like, don't use debt to tide you over. I mean, credit cards, I see it time and time again, where folk, the credit card bill comes in through the door at the end of January and they were maybe in tendency, right, I'll pay it off in full, but then it's like, oh, crikey, this is more than what I thought it was going to be. So try not to use credit cards where at all possible. If you do have to use credit cards, then look at some of these not percent interest deals. You want to try and repay that sort of debt as quickly as you can because the interest rates can be really high. I, I've got a, a card and I actually got a letter through just recently from them. I, I generally tend to pay off pretty much every month, but I got a card through saying the interest rate on this card has now just gone up. And I can't remember what the rate was, but it was like 25, 26%. And I'm like, oh, chap, boy. I mean, if, if you've got a balance on that and then I pay it off each month, that's going to add up pretty quickly and what you'll find is that folk are often then paying the minimum payments in and they're barely eating into the debt so it can take them a long time to clear in some instances yeah i remember i remember my credit card invoice coming in after january one time and you know that did you see in cop 26 the president's motorcade that well my my uh, my credit card bill was sort of delivered in about 56 cards as well just <laughs> <laughs> more and more envelopes uh, at the end of the day phil no matter whether we give this advice or not um there are going to be some folk who could do all this and even then still have issues and it's simply down to the fact they're not bringing enough in i mean life is is hard nobody said it'd be easy is there still something you can do if you're struggling i know i i always say it's like one of the best bits of advice is spend less than you earn but I appreciate it's not always as easy as that. And at this time of year, people are under a lot of pressure. And I would say it's like trying to bout of that pressure. And if if you're one of the people who are fortunate enough to, to be able to afford like whatever you want, then I go showing off on social media because it makes it then puts pressure on other people to oh look at such and such, they've got this and that. You, you see it every Christmas, Christmas Eve comes and people who are well off. Not everyone, but some of them will be all oh, the photos, all the kids' toys, and there's just like a room full of stuff. And I don't know, in my experience, you didn't have to have that to enjoy Christmas. I mean, for, for me, I enjoy spending time with my family. And as like I've said, sometimes the gifts that the kids really like and play with is, is the ones that are like the, the cheap gifts. I mean, I, I personally often do quite a bit of shopping in like some of these pound shops because... I can pick up a lot of little cheap toys. The kid, if you want a lot of things to open, do that. All these little pound toys. Instead of spending 20 quid on one toy, buy five or six for this toy shop. The kids have got more things to unwrap. And, and you I, I tend to find that my boys will play with that more than sometimes the big main present that they get. Yeah, the, the best thing you can ever give a kid, Phil, in my experience, is your time. 
And that costs Definitely. nothing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, just to recap, there's one thing I wanted to, to bring back up. You said about maternal granny giving out loads and loads of presents, right? <laughs> the flip side of that is, at the end of the meal, and the kids are all over the floor, and they've got boxes and paper everywhere, and they're playing with all these presents, that same granny will sit there, just before she dozes off, as she does at the end of the meal. She'll sit there and she'll go, Aye, Christmas has changed. I remember when all we got was an orange. And you think, well, you brought all this stuff I in. Know. You got a one of it. I remember, while, while I remember, but there, there was a one previous episode you mentioned about, I think it was maybe your Auntie Margaret. Oh, where, I. What was it? Go go through the tip for that again. Oh, that, what, what was it? Oh, that, now, what was it that? It was the one where they, did they need, like, take the presents back? Oh, get the no, money for yeah, it. Yeah, so this, this has appeared, Auntie Margaret's appeared in a few of our podcasts. <laughs> she should really be on royalties, I have to say. Yeah, so this is this is a cousin. Right. Uh, um, and what they do is that the presents that they get, they take them back to the shop on Boxing Day and they put them all back in. Right. They get the refund and then they go and buy everything again because it's come down in price. So they go into the 26 and they go and buy everything that they got, but they get money back as well because everything's been reduced in price. So then they've got all the presents and they've got a few bob and cash. Uh, that, that that could be one of our tips, Phil. Yeah, brilliant, is it? <laughs> Genius. I just I just have the redneck to do it. <laughs> right, uh, because this has been one of these all-encompassing ones, really, um, what are the key takeaways on how to keep Christmas costs down? I, I would say for me, first of all, set a budget and stick to it. That, that would be one, one of the things. And then I'd also try and say cut down your present list where you can and, and try not to spend what you don't have that'd be the, the kind of few the, the tips there okay um, now each week so far as we've covered topics phil's given us a, a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing so today phil on how to keep christmas costs down what have you got i have a, quite a good one well i think it's quite it's a good one for me certainly my ex-partner loved christmas she it's one of her favorite times of the year and she would always go into like, oh, Boxing Day was a nightmare. I used to always say to take her into the next sale at like stand the queue at <laughs> six o'clock in the morning. That was a uh, bad times. But anyway, when, when it came to Christmas shopping, she would start the Christmas shopping in the January sales. Yeah. Now, I moved house just recently. And when I was up in the loft cleaning out the, the house, the, the old house, I came across several boxes of toys from the early learning centre. Now, I don't know if the early learning centre went bust or it got taken over by by somebody else. Yeah. But the great thing for me is I've now got about three big boxes of toys. <laughs> now they, these, I I reckon these were probably I, I didn't know which ones of my boys they were bought for. The the age on these toys are like about three to five, around about that age bracket. So it was probably bought. Well, in fact, me and her split up about over five years ago now. So I bet these toys were probably bought for Leighton or Evan, who are now 11 or 12. And I, I've now got Alexander, who's three, and I'm thinking, <laughs> happy days. That's, his Christmas is sorted already. So that's my, my story this week. <laughs> okay, I don't know if I'd have put that one in the podcast, but let's go with it. <laughs> Phil, we always do this, but as well, you find inspiration. I know you do through through various people that you admire and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter on how to keep Christmas costs down? Yep, I'll get the quote in just a second, but I, I was going to say, that's maybe another tip. Check your loft just to, to see what's up there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, the quote of the week this week, Christmas time is near, 
Time for toys and time for cheer. Oh, fantastic. Now, uh, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details in a sec. Uh, here's our first question. I'm looking to take out critical illness cover. However, I'm finding it hard to compare what each insurer covers. It's a minefield. They all seem to cover different conditions and have different clauses for paying out. I notice the costs vary a lot as well. Who would you recommend I take cover out with? I, I would say for critical illness cover, it, that, that's where I think it's important to go and speak to a financial advisor for that because I, I know the, the financial advisors at, at Phil Anderson Financial Services, they use a tool called CI Expert. That, that's a service that the, the business pays a subscription for brilliant. It, not only does it compare current policies, if, if somebody's got an old policy, it compares all the definitions of what's covered in, in it and things. So if you've got a financial advisor, they've got access to all these sort of tools. You do still sadly get some advisors that will just say, look, I recommend this one because it's the cheapest, but cheapest isn't always best. It's the same when it comes to things like car insurance. I mean, you could go for third-party insurance or the fully comp, but you get, I wouldn't say you get what you pay for, but it varies so much. And nowadays, all the providers have got to adhere to what's called the ABI standards. So the Association of British Insurers have got minimum standards that, that the companies have got to, to adhere to. But you do, you, you get, I mean, for example, there's a company called Vitality, they, they call theirs serious illness cover. I mean, it, it covers, oh, it's like almost about 200 different things. But what you'll find is it, it doesn't pay out. It'll only pay out a certain amount depending on what happens to you. Whereas other insurers will cover different things. And again, most of them will pay out a certain amount if you make a claim on something. But some have got these part payments now as well. So it is, it is a bit of a minefield. And to, to try and do it yourself, it is it, it can be quite consuming and uh, time consuming and, and stressful. So I, I would say if you are looking to take out critical illness cover and review your protection arrangements, I, I would go and speak to a financial advisor that, that kind of specialises in that. Okay. Uh, next one is from Gary in Old Meldrum. Gary says, is there a way I can find out what my financial advisor's qualifications are? I'm going to come back with a follow-up on that one in a second, Phil, but you, you okay. go with the answer for that. Yeah, I would say probably the easiest way to find out is just to ask them. Um, I mean, if, if if I was wanting to find out what qualifications somebody had, I, I'd just basically say, I mean, some, some will have it in their title. So, so for example, you get some advisors that will be, for example, called a, a chartered financial planner. So to me, I know that they're qualified to a certain level. But yeah, I, I'd just say, look, ask them. And, and some, you'll go on some websites and it'll maybe say, oh, this there might be a bio on an advisor that says, oh, they've done this or done that. So sometimes you can find out a wee bit on, on like companies' websites as well. Is it more important or as important to know how highly regarded the awarding bodies are? Uh, you've got different awarding bodies. Like I say, you've got, for example, chartered financial planners. You've got certified financial planners. There, there's a lot of different things. One, one thing that all financial advisors have got to have is what's called a statement of professional standing. And it's actually quite good. You can go on, the financial regulator have got the, it's called the FCA register. So you can actually go on there and an advisor should be on that register. If they're not, they, then they shouldn't be advising. 
So if you go on there, you'll find out that, that they've got a statement of professional stand and it'll tell you who it's with. For example, Chartered Insurance Institute or London Institute of Banking and Finance. It'll mention all of that kind of on there. But uh, the, the financial services register is quite a good thing for, for looking up. And, and mortgage advisors are on there now as well. So if you are dealing with an individual, and I, sadly, you still get, I mean, in this day of scams and scammers, you, you get people try to pose as like regulated advisors when when they're not. I mean, I, I know a one, like a, a mortgage company or a person in Aberdeen at the minute who's sort of purporting to be a, a mortgage advisor. You go on the financial register, nowhere to be be seen. So mm. sadly, that type of thing still kind of happens as well. Yeah, so that that's quite handy. That's for want of a better term, it's a bit like the blue kite, you know, trademark the standard that someone is able to practice financial services. Yeah. In terms of the the sort of letters after the name, Phil, is that more useful to you as an employer knowing where they've come through? Yeah, um, you know, but- like for for clients, I mean, yeah, great. I, I used to, oh, like I, I remember when I passed my exams. And, and could start using letters after my name. I, I was really proud. I was chuffed. And, you know, and a lot of things, I didn't even display them nowadays. Although, you know, that folks should be proud of their achievements passing various exams. And I, I remember a um, mortgage advisor I know just recently had passed her exams. And I was really chuffed for her. Um, she could then start to use a designation after her name. And I, I remember what that was like myself when I, I first passed them. But... To clients, they don't really know what they, they mean, do they? That that's a thing. And but yeah, I suppose you can get folk well the, the letters after their name, but experience counts for a lot. That, that's one thing I would say as well. I mean, I, I know some financial advisors who are just starting out and something be very clever and they've got all the technical knowledge in the world, they've passed all the exams and, and done very well, but sometimes the experience can be a, a good thing as well. Yeah, as my granny always used to say, you might have the brightest boy in the room, but they kind of tie their shoelaces. <laughs> we just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics and we might have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or you can email Phil a question that he can answer on a future program. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. Like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if you prefer it that way. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. you get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John.